Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of Barstool Backstage. Great interview today with Rustin Kelly, one of my favorite songwriters in the Americana world. Just got off tour with Noah Kahan. Almost died in his bus fire that happened. Uh, Kenny, did you happen to hear that when you were going through the interview? No, I did. No, I did not hear that. Oh, uh, I won't spoil anything. But uh, if you were to go look at his tour poster for his tour that just got announced, it's a flaming bus with him standing in front of it, and it's a real picture. It's a great you know what's story. Fucked up. What I know many people who have been on tour buses that caught on fire. Eve six was Eve. I went to Max's the singer's storage unit, and he had a bunch of like sick guitars, and they were all like kind of like burnt and smelt like smoke. Bus caught on fire. I know many people. It's kind of dangerous, kind of crazy. Yeah, you think? Jesus Christ. Uh, Dave, how are you, buddy? I'm all right. Um, <clears throat> I do know of a Chicago sports team, not the one that I typically cover, but um, I was sworn to secrecy on this, but they almost gotten like a plane crash that would have wiped out the entire team uh, like four or five years ago. Like five years ago, right before the pandemic, probably 2019, yeah. Jesus like all 83 slid off the runway at O'Hare, engines on fire on both sides, and no fucking, everyone was sworn to secrecy, not allowed to talk about it, nothing. Have you ever been on a plane where there was like a mechanical issue and how, how crazy oh, that is? No, no, thank fucking Christ. I was flying to Nashville for a songwriting session. It was six o'clock in the morning. I was asleep and uh, I wake up to a bang. And the plane starts kind of giving a little rock to it. And I was like, what the hell was that? No one said anything. And I look out the right side of the plane and there's smoke coming out of the engine on the right side of the plane. And I was like, literally like the guy next to me, he's like, I don't know. And I was like, are nobody going to say anything about this? Stewardesses start bombing it down the, the center aisle. And everybody's still kind of asleep. And uh, the lights go on. And then the, uh, the pilot comes on and he's like, uh... Just in case anyone was wondering, uh, we just lost the engine on the right side of the plane. Good news is these planes are meant to fly with one engine. So we have about an hour and a half till Nashville. So we should be good. Uh, I'll keep you updated. Said should be good. And I'm sitting there like, what the hell? So it's still giving it like a rock to it. We start descending and you can see that there are fire engines on the tarmac. Like just in case we didn't land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We hit the ground like a ton of bricks. We bounced two or three times. And then came to a screeching stop. Everyone on the plane gets up and starts cheering and applauding. And I'm like, none of you motherfuckers look worried at all. I was the only one who seemed to be losing their mind. People are like crying, hugging each other. I get off the plane. I get an email from Southwest and they're like, hey, for the inconvenience, we're going to give you one free flight. And I was like, one free flight? I was like, that's what you get for almost dying on an airplane? So Can I, can I tell you something as I've had an experience kind of like that? Um Oh, we that were sounds coming, awful. We were coming into somewhere in Canada. It was raining like crazy. And like you could see out the window, the wing. We were about to touch the ground. And all of a sudden, dude hits the thrust. And we go straight up into the sky again. And like everybody was like mad and all this different shit. And then coming from a family of pilots and somebody who's a pilot myself, I told my whole band at the time, I go, that motherfucker saved your life. Be thankful. There was another wow. plane on the runway. And he caught it. And he fucking saved our lives. Same yeah. with the one, like to be able to fly on one engine and get you down safely and get you back to your family a lot of people get mad and you're like yo that's just a testament to how good that motherfucker was oh, i wasn't mad at the pilot you know, i'm I was just mad saying at a Southwest lot of being like well you know what we're sorry that traumatic thing just happened but here's a flight like 300 is not worth my life dog um but the worst part i did go to the songwriting session i landed at like 8 8 15 my session was at 10 and i walked in 
And the dude, Charlie, who I'm still friends with to this day, I was like sitting in there with like a pencil in my hand, just like tweaking. He's like, you all right? I was like, no, I'm kind of messed up, man. He, we, he wanted to write a song about that. And I was like, no, I really don't want to try. <laughs> I don't want to relive a, that. A plane crash. Into my, I was like, all right, we'll move on. But um, no, the Rustin Kelly interview is awesome. Can't wait to get into that. Uh, Dave, we had a conversation earlier today and I thought I'd let you know. Uh, uploaded the information for Coffee and Sigs today. I, I saw. You as, I love it. I, I listed you as a producer, as did Johnny and Kenny and Dante. So yeah. all of the Barstool backstage is listed as producers. We did it, boys. On Coffee and Sigs. We did it, boys. I, I, I mean, I can't wait to show <laughs> off my my hard work to the masses, to the <laughs> all people. All 50,000 streams. Yep. <laughs> no, we're going big on this one. I already got some radio commits. I'm pretty excited about it. I got to get a hold of Ted Stryker, our good buddy, who's like trying to reach the president now that he's at 98.7, but we will. Um, if you haven't probably, yet, you need to reach out to every fucking alternative radio oh, yeah. station across the country. I happen to know this guy named Kenny Carkey, who I'm probably going to milk some connects off of. I don't know. I'm going to try. What do you, bitch? I, that's what people tried. To, all I did was fucking email him. That's it. That's all I'm going to do anyway. That's how I get all the guests. I'm just going to DM and cold call people. Yeah, if yeah, email yeah. A hun- if you get email 100, you get 50 replies and 20 commits. You know what I mean? That's great. Well, I mean, luckily for us, we do have a lot of friends in radio, so I will be reaching out. Yes. But, uh, I need to get a hold of Madison. Madison, a hundred times, has been like, Oh, I love this song. It's like uh, Rolling Sevens, the one that came out before this. She was, and then I would DM her and be like, "Hey, Madison, did you get that over to uh, Re- need- uh, Regan?" And and she was like, "Oh, I forgot." And then I uh, just never get back to her. You so. need to go direct to Regan. That's the way. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna do that. Um, but besides that, yeah, Dave, congratulations. You've entered the music industry. How do you feel? It feels awesome. Um, professional musician. I never would have thunk it. Um, especially on the producer side, that's like creativity. I don't have any of that. Um, well, so <laughs> next thing comes, we're all going to get in a room together. And I want Dave with like pen and pencil in there critiquing lyrics. I want Dave throw an idea. We're going to do there. that. We're going to do that in Austin at, yep. at the Johnny Congo ranch. Yep. Yeah, Yellowstone Johnny. Jan- yeah. The Johnny the Congo, Congo ranch. ranch, the Congo ranch. And uh, we're going to make that happen this spring. Yeah. You think, you think uh, Dante's going to show up? Yeah, he'll be there. I'll make yeah. sure of it. Maybe. I Dante can crack the Dante likes. If to anybody can crack the whip on Dante, I can crack the whip on Dante. But Dante's easier to get to fly somewhere to an event than he is so to true. talk on a podcast. So true. Yeah. Where where it's remote. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If, if, he, if you can make it as difficult as humanly possible for Dante, he makes it happen. Yeah. 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 And he's a great host, so I'm not even mad about it. But um, regardless. Congratulations, everybody. Welcome to the family here. Uh, let's start with a couple pieces of festival news. Uh, Coachella. There was a report that came out that Coachella's tickets are are selling faster than ever in the history of the festival. Coachella is not moving tickets. And I wonder why. I, I can't put my finger on it. Uh, maybe it's the fact that it's $600 for a base level ticket. Maybe it's the fact that it's all pop stars who are performing. Not Tyler, the creator. I like Tyler, the creator. I have no problem with Tyler, the creator. But, or the fact that it's in the middle of the desert. Or do people just not care about Coachella that much anymore? Kenny, your thoughts. Listen, you're forgetting one of the big variables, too, is that most weekends at Coachella, it's like 115 degrees of dry yeah. heat. It takes yeah. a lot to fucking get people to pay 600000 bucks or more, not to mention it's Food. so remote you got to get Airbnbs or hotels or whatever it is, and the prices go 10x on those. It's a $3,000 weekend, and you're going to have that shit of a lineup? Are you fucking out of your mind? 
Yeah, I mean, there's nothing that really, once again, we talked about it last week, but nothing that, like, grabs you about that lineup. It looked like they just went through, Dude, like, in the 2010, top. In 2010, tickets were 200 bucks. Then they started getting Kanye's and Swedish House Mafias and fucking big things, 300, 400, 500. And then they got up to the 600 plus, but then the lineup started getting shittier and the prices stayed the same. And you're like, no, no, no. It would also be funny. <clears throat> It'd be funny if a festival like Coachella, like, they ever book a show and then you go and it's like, half sold and then you're you're standing there like oh man i fucked up i look like such an idiot like could you imagine like lana del rey and doja cats playing like a half full crowd at coachella it'd be hilarious it'd be funny i'm not gonna lie my coachella Um, experience is one of the best experiences of my life and i wish it would stay rad it probably won't dude those early lineups are crazy you look like the one year was like Radiohead, Pearl Jam. Like it was like an insane 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 lineup so our boys the black keys fucking headlined the year i was there Dog, the Black Keys promotion Yo, for the new promo? album, so Dude. good. Sarah, so my good. wife sent this, sent me all their shit. She goes, "This is fucking hilarious." I go, "This is incredible." They're How funny. good was that? How good They're, was that? They are funny. They, good dude, for them. Did you, did you ever watch yeah. Workaholics? Yeah, a little no. bit. I know what it is though. It can, by the way, Dave, watch Workaholics. You'd love it. It's right up your alley. Um, the Black Keys have like a, like a small cameo in it. And it, they're they're hilarious. Yeah. By the way, I guess I can say this: Black Keys are coming back on the podcast a little bit later in the in the in the spring to promo the new album. So can't wait to have those guys on. We're getting both of them this time. Dan so Albrecht, awesome. We get to meet old Danny Auerbach. Oh, can't sick. wait for that. Yeah, dude. Um, once again, handled through a DM. Who to thunk? Uh, simple DM. Uh, so we got that coming on. But one person who is playing Coachella is Ice Spice, and I put this in the group earlier. I don't know how this wasn't bigger news. Ice Spice is dropping a new song tonight entitled You Think You the Shit, parentheses, Fart. And the promo, she's just calling it. She announced the song by saying, Fart at Midnight. See, this all started with gasms. Yes, this is the this is the result of gasms, Fucking dude. gasms, dude. This is how you push music nowadays. You yeah. have to do something outlandish. Whether or not the song is good, yeah. think Jay Christ by Montero Bill Christ. Yeah. Yes, exactly. yes, exactly. You push it through something memeable. Having yeah. the song called Fart is objectively yeah. hilarious. Will yeah. the song be good? Probably not. Maybe it is. I'm going to listen regardless. That's smart marketing. You know what I mean? I can't Do you think that. that there's any chance that there is a fart sample in there somewhere? Yes, yes absolutely. Who do you have like to? Even if it's hidden. That hey, right, Dave, to. are you going to ask whose fart is it? Yeah, whose fart is it? <laughs> I would love be hers, that. right? If she wants to be true, true artist. If it's hers, right. she's going to make a bundle of money on OnlyFans if she starts one. If you're going to start farting online, Just that's a weird thing. Some Dude, apparently people like buy yeah. bottled up farts on eBay. Oh, right. yeah. No. <laughs> Kenny's like, Kenny's going to get his fart collection right now. Um, but no, like as much as I want to hate on that, oh, baby, as much as I want to hate on that, that's hilarious. Objectively. Objectively hilarious. Dave, I have something for you. That has to do with festivals. And it's a festival that I truly think is right up your alley. It's the Bourbon and Beyond Festival. It happens every year in Louisville, yep. Kentucky. Bro, the lineup is ridiculous. Zach Bryan headlining, Dave Matthews Band, Tyler Childers, Neil Young. Yeah, I saw that. Saw Matchbox that. 20, mm-hmm. My Morning Jacket, War on Drugs, who I'm in love with, always have. Whiskey Myers, if you like Yellowstone, you know Whiskey Myers. I Cody fucking James. love Whiskey Myers. Tedeschi- I love yeah, Tedeschi Tedeschi trucks, trucks, yep. Black Pumas, the Beach Boys are on this so, like the sixth line. Black Pumas is here in Chicago starting tonight through Sunday. And I'm Bro, trying my hardest to go see them Saturday night. 
go Sam. I have yeah. their agent's info if you need me to get if you want me to send it your way. I wish I knew that they were here prior to today. I would have hit them up for sure. A few friends of mine saw them in Philly last week and said they were un- unbelievable. Yeah, they're uh, they're unbelievable. Right. Fantastic band. Uh, Mount Joy, Fleet Foxes, Young the yep, Giant, yep, Marin yep, Morris, yep. Head in the Heart, our boy Teddy Swims, Melissa Etheridge is on like the seventh line of this festival, which by the I way, wait. dude, that's her, right? No. no. <laughs> wait, wait. No, who? What is Melissa? Come answer? to my, my window. window. No, yeah, that's her. I'll right. be home. That's yeah, right. Melissa Etheridge is the shit, dude. Co Wetzel, Milky Chance is still doing it. Didn't know that. Shouts out to those Germans. Chris Isaac, the Wallflowers, Corey Wong, X Ambassadors, Dinosaur Jr., Larkin Poe, Bruce Hornsby, JJ Gray, and Mofro is on here. Uh, I I love him. I honestly, Colin. I saw the like I saw the I took a glance at a, at this poster a day yeah. or two ago. I saw Tedeschi Trucks. I saw Dave Matthews. I fucking hate me if you want Dave Matthews. I like Dave Matthews. Love They're, Dave Matthews. I, I, I don't hate Dave Matthews. Fine, of course you guys do. You know what I mean? Um, I don't. I don't hate Dave Matthews. Uh, As you should. I, Whiskey Myers. You just started rattling off some of the fine print names. I yeah. love a lot of those bands. I can't yeah. believe the fact that like Bruce Hornsby is this low. Melissa Etheridge is Yo, this last low. night on my fucking midnight TikToks you know scroll sure i came across a 1980 something early 80s bruce hornsby snl performance fire and you're like dude they don't make them like they used to baby was it the way it is yeah so dude, fucking good so goose good. goose just brought out bruce hornsby not long ago and they did that song and dude the, i appreciate watching a crowd in 2024 <laughs> i forgot how to play it yeah now. whatever that was good okay. though um fire unbelievable and that's a classic song which actually is a nice segue into a conversation that about we tupac? had kind of kind of about tupac in a way uh see no changes wake up in the morning that's a classic that is an undeniable classic it was probably a cla- the second you heard that in the 90s you knew that was a classic and kfc from barstool sports posted this thing on a story the other day it said are there any classic rap songs since the year 2020. And I thought about it. And initially my thought was like, of course there is. There has to be. It's been four years. Of course there is. And I thought about it. And I was like, holy shit, I don't think there is. And by classic, I mean something that we're going to remember in 20, 30 years and blast it at parties. Think about it all. You know, like, like a juicy yeah, yeah, yeah. gin and juice, something like that. And we, me and KFC follow each other on Instagram. So I, I, I just like responded to the story. And we had a conversation about it back and forth saying like, I was like, there has to be at least one. And we were going through it. And I can't, the, the one that got brought up that I actually think might be reasonable, and it's barely even a rap song, is I Just Want to Rock by Lil Uzi Vert. Like that will be played at parties in 20, 30 years. That's a, that's a heater. Is it like, uh, but is it a stone cold, like legendary song? No, I don't think so at all. I don't think it's the most legendary song in his catalog. So then I was going through and I was thinking, I was like, well, Mo Bamba by, uh, yeah, Shaq was. Yeah. That came out in 2017. That's yeah, that's true. That Fuck, came out in man. 2017. I know that time is moving at an unbelievable pace. And then I was like, well, what about like uh Travis Scott um antidote or like Travis Scott, like something off Astro World? That was in 2018. And I was like, damn, mask off by future 2018. I that's was like, what I thought too. My brain went to mask off, and I was like, what about um what was that last big Eminem song? Uh, who gives a fuck? Yeah, well, well fucking... uh, what are you talking about? Like, not afraid or something like no, that? that was like no, no, the one yeah. with logic. That was that's fucking... not a classic, but I'm no, saying like, that's... that thing was huge. It was fucking everywhere. 
Sure. And I mean, like, Logic has songs and Kanye's put saying, out like records. We, said, and... we can't think of one. And I was like, maybe. Yeah. If you can't think of it off the top of your head, it's not a classic song. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, like Crank That cause... Soldier Boy was the last good rap song that we 2005, had. 2005. You know what I mean? Like, uh, the LimeWire era. And then there's, like, somebody said Uproar by, um, by Lil Wayne. What the fuck? The... Then that's a cool song. That's not a classic. Jay Z hasn't put out anything. I was thinking maybe, and this is just for me as a rap nerd, but Johnny P's Caddy by uh, J. Cole and uh, Benny the Butcher. That's like a niche thing. That's not a classic. It's not a cultural staple. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. And maybe in any genre, well, like Blinding Lights by uh, by The Weeknd. I mean, it's a humongous billion stream song. That's not hip hop. That's not rap. That's not right. That's what I'm saying. But I was thinking across genres at this point. And I was like, is there there really anything that's jumping out to me? And then the question I posed when I posted the video was, if there is, what's the song? And if not, why? Why are we not getting classic songs? And I think it comes down to it's partially our fault. This podcast and people like us. Because we begged for years to have the garters taken off and say, independent musicians everybody should be allowed to make music we're wrong there's too many songs there's too many songs back in the day when these classic songs came out you were competing against the other cream of the crop you were competing against biggie was competing against tupac and all this shit hold on but what i'm saying is now it's like there's so much stuff that even if it is a classic song you look past it because there's a 140 other 140,000 other songs getting put out in a day it's hard to get something good enough to be a truly 30 year memorable song. I think that's probably the problem. And it's our fault. Yeah. That's a big part of it for sure. Yeah. I don't deny we, that. We asked for greener grass and it turns out it was all burnt. Like, you know what I mean? Like the grass wasn't greener, but shit, like this, but this shit, this shit happens. There's, there's peaks and there's valleys and there's talent that comes and then it goes and then new talent comes up. It's like, you know, if you want to call the Olivia Rodrigo thing like talent, like for something like that to pop up, driver's like license is a classic. Katy Perry days or something new. That like, is, a, you know, like that's since a Halsey's big time. That's a fucking bang. <laughs> or like since like Halsey it? in 2012, right? Like, they, like there's peaks and valleys, and maybe it's just not time yet. You have a classic song. I'm saying culturally, you have a classic song. Sale is a classic oh, song. Yeah. everybody knows it. Yeah, everybody yeah, knows I it. <laughs> Sadly, everybody knows it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's truly a classic song. Is there an earworm of that level that gets put out today? I don't think so. I, you know, I'm t- the, what was the last true classic song? Who knows? Maybe we'll get one on this new Green Day record. I like the Green Day record, by the way. Mm. I listen to it. It's, it's, it is what it is. You know, it's not earth shattering, but it's good. Mm. It's fun rock. But I'm thinking now I'm like rack, racking my brain. Like, I think I would consider Blinding Lights a classic song. That's, that's, but like, classic. could you even imagine like, like what it would take for Foo Fighters? to write another fucking hero classic or, you know yeah, what i mean hero. like it's been a minute and that shit's not easy it's fucking who knows? no it's not easy and but there's more people making music and there's less and less classic how many songs fucking classic songs are on one motherfucking album right and Rumors. it comes like this at you and yeah. then it goes away for a while and then it comes like you know yeah, I'm trying to like uh, the client. Uh, you think of an album like Rumors by Fleetwood Mac, and there's literally like seven classics on there. Yeah, and you think about like Siamese Dream and fucking and sure. uh, yeah. and uh, Infinite Sadness, Melancholy. You're like back to back records, but with even in that ca- classics on it, even in that capacity, you want to look back to like 2015, and you have To Pimp a Butterfly, classic yeah. album. There's no like classic classic song on it. It's a great project. It's an amazing project, but there's not one like All Right was a big song, but like that's not like a classic song 2014 forest hills drive by j cole 
classic album to me. There's no like single standout single on there. What's the last? What's the last classic, classic, classic? Fucking the Chronic, 2001. I think there's been other albums. Carter since three. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you say? Yeah. Car- Carter yeah, three. After, yeah. Carter three is definitely a classic. No, 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 hundred percent. A, a million. Yeah. A yeah. Millie is definitely a 100%, classic song. 100%. Hundy P. Damn, good call, Dave. But there's been albums since then that I would consider classic. I, I But I, I don't... I, I'm just saying on the single side, or even just the one song on the record side, like even from Kenny's era of alternative, right? Little Lion Man by... Or The Cave by Mumford & Sons. Absolute classic, for sure. Yeah. Oh, hey, by The Luminaries. That was a good era for rock and alternative music. Yes, 100%. I agree. Yeah. People thought it was dying at that point. Like, yeah. it, it wasn't. You know it's what I mean? It's gone Blur- as fuck now. Yeah, Blurry Face by 21 Pilots. Yeah. Honestly, 21 Pilots might have been part of the start of the downfall and and like Imagine Dragons might have been part of the downfall of that genre. And I'm not shitting on those guys. I'm really not. I'm just saying. I love but those look, albums. In, in if you're looking though. at a line graph. It's true. If you're looking at a line graph, line graph when Imagine Dragons guy. enters here and then all of a sudden the alternative music genre just started to fall off the cliff. I'm not saying that, but whatever. Um, I don't know. It's just an interesting thought process to be like, to ask a question, name a classic rap song, go up to anybody on the street. I don't know. It's, it's, it's befuddling. I guess we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong and we'll just get something that's a banger come out and we'll all be like, oh, well, fuck. And I'm probably overlooking a bunch of shit. Either way, it's a good question. Um, you remember a song like fucking Happy? Well, my, my thought process was Blurred Lines and um, yeah. Get Lucky. That Summer of Pharrell, 2013, those yeah. are classics. Yeah, we haven't had a song sure. like any of those songs, even on the pop side, in a fucking long time. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, it's a thing, you know? It's a thing for sure, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Once again, music output has increased greatly since then. Yeah, and the, in the way people digest the music with TikTok and all the other shit is different now, you know? It's all fly-by-night, dude. All I'm saying is, once again, to go back to our line graphs. So good luck, Colin, with your, with your band. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> Fuck you. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Clearly. I know what I'm doing. All I'm saying is this is more music being put out and less quality. And this right here is less music being put out by vetted artists. And this is more quality. You can't see shit. I don't know why I'm doing this. What I'm saying is there has to be something in the middle here where we can get like quality shit and more of it. I don't know how you do it, but that's just... This is you a gotta, bad you idea. Gotta, you know what? Here. You got to go. I mean, I don't know. You got to start that's working with me, a... me, Johnny Congo. All right, Don, boys. Dante here's the plan. <laughs> here's the plan. Yeah. 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 Um, no, yeah. you got to you got to not... dig for it. I don't think that you'll find a classic because a classic now has to, you know, beat the entire culture and, and beat it into submission. But when you dig, man, it's what you have to do these days. You have to dig. You have and to you'll compete find with podcasts. Shit. You have to compete with YouTube. Yeah. You have to compete with there Twitch. There are. This is interesting. Like. I guess you'd call them like mini talk music supervisors, which, you know, probably not a new thing, but like people who will be like, here's 10 songs I found this week that are really cool. And they run the 10 songs in their TikTok video. And when you find a, somebody who has like similar musical taste, you follow them, you start to find good shit. There's some, it's an interesting new way of finding music. I'm sure that's not bought and sold. But is that considered all organic word of no, mouth? I, no, no, yeah. no. Um, all right. Back on track here. Now that my line graph is done. What the fuck? I'm rooting through songs over here. Lil Nas X, we already covered that. I'm done with that shit. Colin, 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 let's talk about your Thin Lizzy shirt you got rocking right now. Yeah, what about it? Let, let, let's start there. What do you got? Um, I love it, first and foremost. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to guess they're one of your all-time favorite hair metal bands. 
I wouldn't there's, call them hair metal, but yeah, they're they're eighties bands. I think they're the most one of the most underrated bands of the year. I think they're properly rated. I don't. I think they have a hit. I think that their records are better than what they get credit for. Um, but continue. I don't know. I'm just I'm just trying to buy <laughs> oh, time. You're trying while to buy you, time while yeah. I was doing this. Yeah. Um, no, I love them, Lizzie. I think uh, people need to talk about more than just the boys are back in town. Even though that's a great song, which is also hilarious. If you really look at the context of the song, he's not even one of the boys. He's just happy to see the boys. He's like, oh shit, the boys are back. That was literally it. He's not even partying with the boys. He's just commenting on the boys that came back. That's true guy relationship right there. He's at a bar one night and he's like, oh shit, the fucking boys are back. Let's go. That's the theme of that song and I love it. Um, oh, here we go. Another thing. Another festival we didn't talk about. Dave, I saw you reshared this, which I thought was sick. The Lovers and Friends Festival. Yeah, it looks, oh, yeah. It looks fun. For the millennials it's of us, All dude. the festivals. Yeah. In, that's one of the ones in Pasadena, right? No, it's, it's Vegas. Vegas. Oh, Vegas. There's a lot of good Pasadena Rose Bowl festivals this year. Dog, let me run this down real quick. Janet Jackson, Usher, the Backstreet Boys, Lil Wayne, Snoop Dogg, Gwen Stefani, Alicia Keys, Nas, Ludacris, Nelly, Ja Rule and Ashanti, T-Pain, MIA, TLC, Ciara, uh, Nelly Furtado, Akon, Mia. Where did they wait? Yo, Nika? this Where is, they wait? without question, the When We Were Young fest. Yes. 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 We lived in a different genre. genre. Yes. I'm not mad at it because those yes. are such cool festivals that somebody else goes, we need to do this for every fucking genre. Yes, yeah. I'm in for that's that. Fine. I'm in for it. That's we're fine. all in for it. We, we're like yeah. the, we're in our 30s. We're the 18 year olds with money. Let's go. Dude, we're old. Holy yeah. shit. I'll be my we 40 are. this fucking year, bro. You're gonna be 40 this year? Yeah. Damn, Fuck Kenny, that, that's man. sick, bro. Yeah, man. 40 with Hell two yeah. kids. That's where I'm living. What do you have to do to celebrate? I feel like you have to do like do cocaine or something. Like you have to you have to show. If your I didn't year. have 18 month old twins, I would have had plans already, but I don't know. If, Who's going to watch my two kids? No, I feel like this is one of those things when you turn 40, you and your wife go somewhere and like plan to do mushrooms together or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, you know for I mean? sure. For sure. Yeah. I miss the days of like renting an Airbnb, getting 10 of your closest friends and getting so smashed. You can't leave. You know? Yeah. Now you just can't leave. Yeah. Um, no, I saw this and I got really fucking excited. The names at the bottom of this festival are hilarious. Do you remember Mims? Yeah. Do you, do you remember who Mims is? Do you remember his song? Wait, I was th- never mind. I do not. Mims I, was is, thinking, I was thinking. You'll know this song. This Mimsy. is a uh, Mimsy. Yeah, <laughs> why Mimsy? <laughs> Dude, this is why I'm hot. This is this why, is I'm, why hot. I'm hot. This is this why. Is what do you think I, they're paying is... the bottom the bottom people on here? Like Mims, they're giving, Mims dr- <laughs> they're giving drink yeah. tickets to Mims. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god! But no, that shit's fire. And I had one complaint about festivals. Uh, Ultra Music Festival, which is a big uh, EDM festival, put out their lineup. Dude, you need to look at the flyer for Ultra. It is the ultimate version of, uh, you ever see like those things? It's like somebody will put a meme up of a long text message and it just says like, too long, not reading this, but congratulations, or I'm sorry. Dude, the font is like three font. I can't even see. How are there this many acts on this well, festival? Well, this is crazy. Yeah. Dude, are you seeing it? Yeah. Share your screen if you can. Wait, is this is this the actual picture? Let me see. Hold on. Hold. hold. It, wait, if it looks comical, then yes, it's the actual picture. Well, it's, this is just the fucking, the website. No, this isn't it. Okay, so let's go to like, like this. No, maybe I have the wrong fast, dude. I don't want to be smirching anybody, but dude, yo, you're smirching. Hold on, yeah, I have you're it. definitely be smirching. I'm so, I don't mean smirching, to be smirched, bro. Dude. 
I apologize for smirching. Oh my god, he's smirching so bad right I now. I can't be me to smirch the fuck. <laughs> Yo, Whatever. Spell fucking these... smirch. Who? It's... What are you talking about? Wait, go back. I want to see it now. I have to find it. Who's this? I lost it. This isn't it. You're sure it's Ultra? How no. many people die at Ultra every year? Probably a lot. What is it more than zero? Oh, I got a bone to pick with Dante. Real quick. I'm looking on our social media. Dante sends this video to the uh, the backstage socials group chat. And it's of Sexy Red, the artist, at her, give you a call that, Sexy Red, the rapper, at her own baby shower while she's pregnant, getting her ass eaten in front of a bunch of children. And he's like, post this. And <laughs> Cruz, who does our socials, posted it. And then we lost like, 400 followers on Instagram. We've been shadow banned and none of our posts get a scene by above like 10 people. And I like was like doing that and I was looking like, why did we post a pregnant woman getting her ass eaten on our socials? <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't do that anymore. And Dante's like, oh, I'm sorry. And I was like, I mean, I probably would have posted idiot. it. I would have posted it too. I didn't think about it like that. But, and then I was like, I was like, oh, sexy red did this. This is funny. And then like when I laid it out, like empirically and I was like, Pregnant woman gets ass eaten at baby shower in front of other people. I was like, yeah, I can kind of see why the Instagram algorithm didn't love that. Uh, so shout out Dante. If he was here to defend himself, he'd probably agree with me, but whatever. Um, uh, I only had one other thing before we get into the interview, before we do uh, on the list, off the list. Did we see John Daly performing at Kid yep. Rock's bar? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, apparently he goes around and only knows how to sing one song. He does knocking on heaven's door every single time. Bob Dylan, yeah. Yeah. Uh, John Daly is the man. Yeah. But do you think it's hard being John Daly and doing the same shtick every day? Like, he, he, I don't think he's doing it. No, though. That's just him. I'm just saying, what? Yeah. He's living life to the absolute. Yeah. There's no one more honest in the world. I'm just saying, could you imagine a situation where John, what if we wake up one day and he's like, man, I'd love to go to the park and read a book today? And then he gets seen doing it and then his public image is ruined. Like, like John, are you John Daly? Why are you why are you reading uh Lucky for him, he doesn't want to go to the park and read a book. He wants to hit the driving range with a fucking 40. Did yeah. either, of you, did either of you guys ever watch a show uh Futurama when you were younger? Yeah. A little bit. There's this episode where like uh remember Spuds McKenzie, the uh the yeah. advertisement of a dog who drinks beer for Budweiser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's a, a character in it called Serge McKenzie, whatever. And the whole theme is this guy is like the mascot for this alcoholic beverage. But all he wants to do is stop partying. He's like, God, I just don't want to party anymore. I kind of feel like being John Daly, one day you might wake up and just be like, damn, I'd love to just become clean cut. I don't know. And once again, I might be grasping at straws here because he does live the fucking life. It would be like when Metallica cut their hair. That's what I'm saying. It's it's that kind of a situation. Like, but if he wanted to, I don't know if the option is there. He just has to keep going to Hooters and fucking drinking on a golf course, smoking cigs, and performing at Kid Rock's bar. And when I just said that out loud, I realized, damn, that's sick. That's so sick. <laughs> why would you? Yeah. Why would you ever want to change that? Is that the kind of life you'd like to live, Dave? Yes. And Dead by Seventy. Fuck yeah. Dead by Seventy is kind of. He's probably like sixty. It's a good. Yeah, he probably. Dead by 70? Dead by 70. Dead by 70. Kenny, put it on the list. You guys want to hear my last few? Yes, please. please. Okay, let's see. Hold on. Let me. What did we just say? Dead by 70. That's a good one. Uh, Okay, we've got... I don't remember which ones I've told you before. So we've got Uncle Grandpa. No. We've got Ethiopian Tubes. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. We've got Mickey Minaj. (laughs) (laughs) 
Is that like a Mickey Minaj, Mickey Minaj, Nicki Minaj, Mickey Mouse hybrid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Uh, specific Islander. <laughs> <laughs> overachieving Mexicans, I think, was the last one. That I, I like that one. Yeah. I like that one a lot. That's fucking overachieving Mexicans. Bro, shouts out to the lads, man. <laughs> shouts out to the lads. Uh, dude, and, <laughs> I, I was about to call you the R word real quick, and then it just made me think about DJ Khaled. I keep seeing new DJ Khaled Whoa, videos guys, every day. Wait, 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 wait. Who sent for you guys that was the me. thread that? Was that you that sent the one of him golfing and sinking the putt? Yeah. And Dude. what does he say? He just turns and goes, Gatorade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has the most serious face. It's such Bro. an awkward pause. Gatorade. The one video of him where it's just like, the caption was literally like, if you were to watch this video and not know it was DJ Khaled, you'd think he was a special needs person. It's a, <laughs> it's like a, a thing. Where he's just like in a restaurant and the, the he's server. in on it. Dude, he's in on he it. has to be in on he's it at this point. It. He's but the his, funny. He's the funniest person on earth. I think his character is getting weirder because I feel like what it was was originally he wasn't in on it and then realized, oh my god, I'm a moron. And now it, the, it, the the waitress comes up and she's like, "Sir, can I get you more uh, champagne?" And he just looks at his watch and he just goes, "I call it the chandelier." <laughs> Even his like accents getting weird. I love. I, him. I can't. I love him. I love him to death. I Why was. I know. I'm just saying, like, we I spent a lot of time on this podcast being like, Fuck well, DJ for the longest Khaled, time, dude. I thought he was like just serious, stupid. you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, seriously stupid. And now I realize he's he's comedy, a he's a plus genius. Comedy. Now I want him on the podcast, yeah. I was against it, now I want him on, yeah, yeah. But I want I want him and Johnny to have a conversation asparagus. where Johnny goes on, of it. <laughs> call, <laughs> call me asparagus. asparagus, bring out the whole ocean. Yeah. I want to bring out the whole ocean, dude. <laughs> the one. The lady brings out a lobster in a restaurant, and it's clearly alive, like just showcasing at a fancy restaurant the lobster that's about to be cooked. And uh, and DJ Khaled, he says something like, can I eat that? And she's like, no, it's alive. And he's like, bring out the lobster. Just into the can. Could you imagine me in the server being like, dude, I need to go get a new fucking job. Jesus so Christ. Sick. I love he's him so much. I he's really do. Now, on the other hand, Kenny, have you seen the Dracula flow videos? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm about to fuck your whole day up, dude. Please, Please. do me a favor. D- Dave, I don't, I think you'll find this funny, but Kenny, I feel like this is your brain. Please go into YouTube and search Dracula flow three. It is an artist named Joji who is like a big artist now, like in the TikTok world, but like was a YouTuber and then stopped doing YouTube <laughs> to take music seriously. Yo. Apparently has launched this new series called Dracula Flow, where he got See, an old man is, to spray paint is, hair on, dress up as Dracula, and spit bars. This is bars. why my feeds are so fucked up, because I keep clicking on shit like that. Please and share then your screen and about, Dracula Flow. About seven swipes into any of my feeds, I'm like, you're a bad person. Bro, I can't <laughs> stop watching this. I can't stop watching this. Dracula Flow. Share the screen, throw this on, dude, and let's just oh, revel in Dracula flow. Let's see. Let me make sure you guys can hear it because I got my weird setup going on. <laughs> um, just there. Can you hear it? You got to turn the sound on. Okay, so uh, hang on. I got to hold. We're holding. No, I no. Know. I think on YouTube it's muted. It's just quiet. You, okay. you don't. You don't know my shit. See. I mean, this is just. I'm a dog. I'm biting the fart bubbles in the bath. We smoking symbiotes. 
smoking that Whoopi Goldberg South Egyptian Fur Burger Deluxe Mega Million Scratcher Skunk Bubba Kush. We smoking Dung Beetle. I'm on 12 Vicodins smoking on Scooby-Doo Dick. We smoking Sequoia Banshee Boogers. We snorting that good Buffalo Soldier Tamarind. See, make, see, this guy, Bro. great. Excellent. Make him famous. Bro, yeah, no, he, he, he's, he's, I love him. I love him. Dude. And then he he just goes into rants about how he's gonna he's gonna kill the ops. It's just like he's he's talking about how I'm just sending like, this to people right now. Bro, he just keeps going on about how he's him. He's like, I am the himulation. And then I don't know he just goes, fuck it, I ate the op. And I I I wake up every day saying, fuck it, I ate the op. Like I can't. This is the part of the internet I strive to like fall into every day. This is what I'm talking about. That's the guy I want on the podcast, Dracula Flow. It's fucking incredible. Now, Ken, if your feed gets blessed with Dracula flow, like reels every day, you're gonna have a great day. My feed's already fucked, man. It makes me, me too, feel buddy. Bad. Dave, what does your feed look like? <laughs> um, it's ninety five percent outdoor shit, like deer hunting videos and like s- rattlesnakes, like eating deer and shit, and then uh, like barbecue videos, like steaks and shit like that. My guess was gonna be cooking videos. Yeah, a ton of cooking shit. Yeah, ton of cooking shit. What's the best meal you've had recently? Um, fuck. Is anything like, have you gone out and done my, like my that? favorite restaurant experience that I think I've ever had? I did not too long ago. It's called El Che in Chicago is an Argentinian steakhouse. And it was unfucking believable. Uh-huh. Is uh-huh. this like a Fogo de Chao situation where they come mm. to the table and bring like lamb and like carve it off? They did it for me like that. It's not typically like that, but it's like you, it's an open kitchen and you see them how they do it. It's open flame grilling. It's, it, you, it's all wood fire. It was fucking incredible. Outstanding. I need to, I need to do, I got to smash one of those. I, I have to get to a steakhouse and just destroy myself. I would love that. It's um, the best. All right. Let's go into the Russ and Kelly interview. Come out, do on the list, off the list real quick and get the fuck out of here. So this is the interview with our boy, Russ and Kelly. Ladies and gentlemen, Barstool backstage and on the guest list this week, one of our favorite songwriters in the world. He has a new EP coming out. He's going back out on tour. And he was fucking late to the podcast. Rustin Kelly in the building. What's up, baby? What up, dude? Sorry, it's <laughs> raining so hard. Uh, <laughs> Yo, yeah. that is this is funny because like before we started, Johnny and me were talking and I was like, I feel like I consume so much of this guy's music and his content that I'm almost at the vibe where it's like, I awkwardly almost am going to talk to this guy like I know him and I don't. And I think that was just a really nice interpretation of me being like, yo, what the fuck is up? Dude? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, dude. What's dude. up? What are you guys doing? We're, I'm sitting here. Uh, what were we doing? We were playing with Johnny's really into fucking AI voiceovers right now. And he's got all of our voices from the podcast synthesized. And we were making Kenny, who is one of our co-hosts, speak Chinese. Uh, so yeah, we're fucking not doing anything. <laughs> oh man, no, we're just preparing uh, for the end of the world, basically. That's basically what we, we were right. talking about. We were talking about that and the fact that we can't listen to any more new music because there's too much new music, and it gives me anxiety to go on Spotify because I don't know what the fuck is going on. Do you suffer from the same issue? I mean, yeah, I uh, I do actually. I have a lot of like younger friends of mine, like like that are kind of in like the alternative sphere 
like Annie DeRusso and Samia and like Annie and and Eden who's like been working with her a lot and has been on the road with her they'll send me playlists of like music that I've never fucking heard of ever yep. and will turn me on to like bands and music that like I really dig so it's like coming from like someone that knows me that has like a sense of curation behind it opposed to just like I just feel like I'm assaulted with new music in every single on every single platform yeah. on social media all the time and every once in a while i'll find someone i'll be like damn that really just like shook me to the point where i need to go and download their music but it's it definitely seems like we're dealing with a a, a quantity over quality situation and Dude. because everyone can perform and record themselves and put it out online now you know it's funny because the whole point of this podcast when it started was musicians getting together and being like fuck the system we don't care about the system. Let everybody in. Like, let's, you know, independent artists for sure. And then now it's been like three years we've been doing this. And I'm like, did we, did we open the floodgates a little too far now? Cause I like it's, it's like the old guard was like, there was curation and there was like uh, quality control. And now it's yeah. like, all right, there's 145,000 songs a day on Spotify. I don't know. We might have overdone it. I don't know. That's where we are right now. This is the existential <laughs> crisis of Barstool Backstage. Well, it's crazy that you just said that number and it sounds like some kind of over-exaggeration, like hyperbole right. for a podcast. That's the actual number. That's that's really insane. It's horrifying. You guys yeah, should it, check out my new horrifying. song. Yeah, exactly. By the way, <laughs> like we're dropping a new song on February 16th, in case anybody was wondering. And it, 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 it's, it's funny because the way, the way I found you, and I'll kind of backtrack on this, like, yeah. I think I may have told you this through DM, but... um. I was, I'm in Philadelphia and I was driving, listening to uh, World Cafe on WXPN. And this was right when Dying Star was coming out. And you went on and you did an interview and you played Faceplant, which right away I was like, oh, this is fire. And then you told the backstory of your like early years in Nashville. And I was like, this is the rawest shit I've ever heard in my entire life. And <laughs> that's how I became a fan. Like, so, Hell yeah. I mean, we're going to get into that. And I'm sure you've covered that 8 million fucking times. But I actually wanted to start with the tour you have coming up. You're going to yeah. be doing piano, acoustic, laid back, kind of like storytellers type of a situation. Yeah. And then I looked at the cover of like the, the announcement flyer for the tour. Yeah. <laughs> Please explain what this is for people who aren't initiated. <laughs> uh, I mean, I kind of I've always kind of done shit like that where like I listen to. I mean, I grew up listening to grunge and then like that transition into like punk and metal. And I listened to like pop punk and there seemed to always be, especially like with pop punk and emo, like there is this combination of, you know, having a tougher aesthetic than like what your <laughs> music actually sounds like. Yeah. And I feel like I like I like extreme I'm mean, I'm a person that's like I guess creatively I, I work in extremes. Personally my you know my mission is to be able to like live in the middle of my extremes because they tend to get me into trouble. But I, I find uh like marrying to what seem to be polar opposite vibes, one being like very sensitive music, especially for like an acoustic tour. And then having an ad mat that is like incredibly <laughs> vicious, um, I thought it's hilarious. I think that's really fucking funny. Uh, so, I mean, most of the stuff I do on 
social media and putting stuff out there like public facing is like, you know, there's a bit of a wink to it. Yeah. And, and also like the fact that like my bus did catch on fire on the last <laughs> tour, like that's a real picture. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, sure. Drummer, that's what drummer, I was alluding to. Dude, we had to rush off of the bus because it was catching on fire. And it was like at 6 a.m. or something. We were rolling down the highway. So we're like, we were all like half naked, no glasses, no contact, like no one could see. And my drummer, he's also a, a photographer in New York. And his instinct was to go and capture this, which is really great. <laughs> so I'm looking over at my dude over there. And he's just like this. He's like this this beautiful korean man and he's got like he's covered in the coolest tattoos you've ever seen and he's wearing like these like boxer briefs and he's on the other side of the highway taking a picture taking <laughs> photos of us walking away and he didn't grab his camera so it just was an iphone picture but that picture of me like holding my fist up walking away as the as the bus burst into flames is a very real picture and i was like i have to use that somehow you know Dude, that, is, that the most... is so cool like i've i i thought i had a cool we got rear-ended on a bus on like ice in canada but this is that was not as cool as, as walking away from an explosion bro there's Dude, nothing cooler than <laughs> like ramstein aesthetics and then like yes like yes. a song like anchors being gently played in the background <laughs> you know this yeah. is the shit dude yeah, that's that's kind of me in the in a nutshell, because like I mean those songs like they deal with very heavy subject matter most of the time. That's like where I write from. I write from this place of needing to express myself to understand myself existentially, and I think like there's also a you know a, a valid point to not taking life so seriously. So it's like when I'm singing about stuff that is very serious. Having it, whether it's an aesthetic or it's stage banter or whatever, I mean, that's just who I am as a person. I can kind of go from like making fart jokes to then, you know, going going really into the depths of the spirit and the point of living. And yeah, imbuing that in my career aesthetically is there, is been a fun thing. There's something really interesting you said, kind of starting off this whole uh, recent discussion. We just this this kind of thrust about these two polar opposites and in the middle you there's this humor that occurs between these two polar opposites and i think that actually is in many ways the definition of humor is that a contradiction occurs yep. in your brain where yeah. like the logical part of your brain cannot assume the two opposites at the same time so you get this weird just like it's your brain going like Boop, i don't know what the fuck to do with this yeah. <laughs> yeah. and it's such a like funny it's a funny thing like literally but it's also kind of one of the most profound things to observe about yourself about life is that usually we operate in one side of those poles like yeah. we're over here or we're over there or we think we're you know god or we're the devil and if you can step back from that and get that third perspective uh, you know it's it's such a enlightening thing that happens and it happens obviously so rarely yeah man i i feel yeah. like that's the nail on the head for me. You kind of just summed it up. I think like essentially that type of realization, being able to laugh at something, especially when it's has caused so much suffering in your life, um, it instantly grants you power over that thing that once seemed to like have power over you. Yeah, and I mean it's, it's non-attachment basically in in like 
real form or the practice yeah. of non-attachment, you know? And yeah, once again, as as a big fan, like I will say, like songs like Blackout, which obviously are dark as fuck. Yeah, it's dark. But then there's a line in there where you say, uh, and I argue LeBron with my friends. And I remember uh, hearing that for the first time and being like, this guy gets it. Like there's there's an element of like, or even like Michael Keaton off the last album. I was trying yeah, to explain yeah. to John, Johnny and me, we're talking about, like, this sounds weird. We were talking about you and your songwriting before you came on. And I was like, to write something like, uh, if Michael Keaton killed himself in multiplicity, would that be genocide? That's funny. Like, that's a good, like, and that's the hook of the song. Like, are you kidding me? There's certain songwriters that can twist something dark and sarcastic, and it's cool. Because if it's done wrong, it's corny. If it's done right, it's genius. So, like, that's, to me, where, like, I'm drawn to the way you write songs. Are, Thanks, are there man. any on that front? Are there any artists that were you find particularly inspiring in that regard? Like for me, when I think of that type of lyric of the again the contradiction of something kind of ludicrous with a, a, a somber musical background, I think of Leonard Cohen because people think of him a lot of sure. times as serious. But if you really dig into some of his lyrics, he's just like fucking hilarious in a weird, dark way. Yeah, yeah, Leonard Cohen is one for sure. John Prine was, I would say, probably oh, yeah. a master. At that, like, he bordered more on the funny side, but, like, there was such an emotional depth to, like, the punchline. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, honestly, some of the beat literature, uh, like, beat literature, Jack Kerouac, he, mm. he wasn't really, like, overtly funny, but there was this sense of, like, the humor that I like is this almost sarcastic perspective that living is living and sometimes like life be life in, you know what I mean? And like, <laughs> life is, it's just like, well, okay. Like that's just what it is. And to have make you light of that, you know, have you read uh Herman Hess, like Steppenwolf? I have, I haven't read Hess. That's, that's one of the guys that I haven't really dove into. I would highly recommend it. It's one of those books I think that often gets kind of made fun of because it is one of those books that like everyone reads in their first year of college and like thinks they're enlightened. At right, the same right, time, right. I think it actually might be one of the most profound books of all time. Uh, and he's got that thing where he's like this German or uh, Austrian writer from the 30s and 40s, like super serious. And then like just weirdly funny and again I, I don't know it's always humor somehow i think in anything that has real truth to it it can't not be partially funny or ridiculous yeah, you know well that's that's great i actually just finished a book one of my favorite author, authors is i would say in the literature sphere is the king of you know dark humor it would be kurt vonnegut and right I, I just finished uh breakfast of champions which is nothing but dark humor and sarcastic humor and satire but uh i was looking for a new book anyways so i, I can highly recommend it shoot shoot us back and tell me whether i'm wrong <laughs> all right <laughs> Bet. Do, do you pull because you seem like an avid reader do you pull a lot of inspiration from what you do read or i guess even on more of a, a, a note where where do you pull from? Because we're both songwriters. We're you know this is a, a yeah. nerdy kind of songwriting podcast from time to time. This seems like it's going down that direction, but it's obviously real life experience. But what gets the juices flowing for you? Like where do you where do you get the jump off point from? Mm. It's different. If I'm in like a craft mindset, right? Like if I'm into like sharpening the blade mode which I would say like there is a difference in the art of it and the craft of it. 
the mm -hmm. art of it doesn't really have a rhyme or reason for when it hits an individual yep. in the way that it hits them right like the song i released before uh this tour announced at belly of the beast was uh i was doing the dishes you know and like it just the chords the words the melody was all there um it was like the first verse in the chorus and i ran to the piano because i like knew that it was it's like kind of pulling that thread out and i had to follow it otherwise it's going to dissipate um it happens like that very rarely as you guys know any creative person if you apply yourself consistently to that creative practice not the craft of it necessarily but kind of answering the muse's call it you you start to shape the world and your perspective of the world towards that in a way and you see things from a very creative perspective and so that will just naturally happen but when it comes to like muscle work you know sitting down and being like okay i'm going to dedicate time to write do i feel like writing right now i don't actually and sometimes like that's it's a moot practice but other times it's like after hour one or two then like the kind of creative juices start flowing and then i can start pulling from something and that's when i feel like i go exteriorly and pull from something like oh i remember that passage that i read or it was the language or the syntax that like yeah. get was using to convey a point and not all of that is 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 completely you know i'm not completely aware of that mode necessarily but i've digested it and then my brain will pull from it you know there's, there's an interesting idea that the act of creation or any kind of um profound life experience requires no effort and it cannot be achieved <laughs> through effort right like you're you're talking about the two sides of it you can't force out this the creative thing but that's not to say that there's not effort involved it's just that that the right. moment itself is no effort everything before that is the effort like you're saying the craft of it you're reading you're absorbing and digesting the world you're working on the mechanics of how to write a song you know learning right. about music and or writing and then somehow mysteriously that disappears the effort disappears and then it's like it's it's i mean the, i think the image of the muse is perhaps more literal than we give it credit like it is mm -hmm. just this thing that appears but when the, when the circumstances are right yeah and also i mean i guess it depends on like what your intention is with your creativity um if it's to like have a better understanding of yourself i mean the muse takes many forms the muse loves beer drinking songs mm. like the muse loves florida georgia line and morgan wallen the muse also loves jason isbell like it's the way that it echoes to people and translates a feeling whether that's like a feeling that sits here or a feeling that sits way down deep inside of you but i would say that a lot of people of the same ilk of me that like when i that i have these conversations with if they ask me like okay i have writer's block like how do i get over it hmm. a human child yeah, he's here. He's been Dude. here the whole time. <laughs> Wait, congratulations. How old is this child? This is five months. This is my boy Connor, which is funny because we and this just completely derails the conversation, but uh, that's okay. We got in trouble on YouTube like two episodes ago because we were having what I thought was a funny conversation, and he happened to have been sitting on my lap. And YouTube was like, Yeah, you can't do that with a baby on your lap. 
And uh, so I was like, guys, we're not going to – Connor can't come on the videos anymore. And then my wife is uh, – she's in the office today, so he's crying sitting next to me. So he's got to get picked up. You know what? The fucking internet police can just deal with it. Goddamn right, dude. <laughs> Goddamn Don't right. say. Uh, can, can you please man, not say amazing. "internet police" when the when the baby's on the screen? Because I think <laughs> the AI triggers are going to grab that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry I, guys. I do. I do want to get deep for a moment here, though, because I, yeah. everything that we're talking about here, it's it's. I've always been like a, the craft part never interests interests me. I'm very much like a yeah, spur of the boring. moment, inspirational songwriter. Like I, I need yeah. to. It needs to happen in a second, or I don't like it. Um, and then I spent time in Nashville. And I went through CSAC and writer's rounds and stuff like that. And it started to interest me more and more. And then it becomes kind of an exercise of like, oh, how can I get wittier? How can I do this? How can I make that work more? Mm -hmm. and, it, and it truly is work. Like, once again, the podcast has brought us a lot of things. But like talking with Johnny and Kenny, Kenny's from the band AWOL Nation. They have a song sale that was huge. Right. Um, and having Kenny start to dissect some of my songs and, and chopping things up. And it's like, how did your brain work like that? But there is like a thing about the me the mechanical nature of the the more regimented side that just gets under my skin and it's why nashville's always been such a challenge for me in a certain perspective but like it it's hard for me to picture a world where rustin kelly isn't who you are today and like once again going back in your history you wind up just becoming a nashville songwriter and doing things like writing for tim mcgraw like you know what i mean like could you ever have imagined a world where you stayed in that lane and you were just co-writing and doing the pop country side of things. I mean, I would have just died of alcohol abuse. I, <laughs> it was not something, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I knew like it, it was almost like, I mean, to answer your question, no, I cannot imagine that because <laughs> it was part of this plan. I had a plan. I knew that like the step one or step zero was to get my foot in the door. Yeah. And so I got my foot in the door because I needed to pay my bills and, right. you know, like working on a horse farm, working on a chicken farm, like doing landscaping was not cutting it. Right. So, you know, I just went and did the thing and was like really, 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 really like bottom of the barrel living. But uh, at one point, like I did get my foot in the door and I found someone that believed in me. He was actually the dude that, brought ryan adams to town i know he can't say ryan adams name anymore but um, uh i'll stop you there fantastic. i i regard on this podcast you can because we can separate the art from the artist like yeah. i'm ryan adams has four of my favorite albums of all time like i can't deny that great music it is great music not a, not a dude i want to have a beer with but not uh, at all i still listen to gold i can't lie yeah, gold is fantastic. Heartbreaker. I mean, everything you did with the Cardinals, that stuff was really monumental to a lot of people and to pretend like it wasn't because of, you know, sins, I don't think is the way that like I want to digest art. Now, like I don't feel the need to like support someone in that, but that's a exactly thing. So, agreed. 100%. John Allen was head of BMG at the time when and he discovered it, it was like a writer's round i was doing the thing you know i was just like churning and burning and he literally had taken ryan adams out of a bathroom stall while he was doing cocaine because he had a this heartbreaker session the the next day and he was like dude he had signed him <laughs> he was also the guy responsible for introducing johnny cash and uh 
Rick Rubin. And what? so I lit this guy like immediately had my respect. And I went into his office. It's one of those, it was one of those big Nashville offices, you know, yep. with trophies and shit and awards. And I played him this song I just written called 12th Avenue Breakdown that had no chorus. It was like six verses. <laughs> and he was sitting there and he was like, damn. He goes, I'd love to hear more of that. And that was the first person that was like somewhat in the, you know, popular music machine that gave a fuck. But he was like, here's what I think that you should do. I'm going to sign you as a staff writer with like a sidecar of an artist deal. He's right. like, but we're not going to get to that yet because you've kind of got to prove yourself a bit. And so I spent the next like three years writing day in, day out songs that I didn't really want to write songs that were only from muscle songs that were only like, sometimes they labored, right? There were a few that were not. And right. the interesting thing is the ones that got cut were the ones that I really enjoyed writing. And what it did was it showed me like that there can be camaraderie in co-writing, yeah. but that also the things that I want to write for myself, like, most of the time, I really can only say it in the way that I want to say it. But it got me into rooms with some of the people that are like my closest friends. And also we're like, I mean, I went from like writing with everyone to then being in rooms with like Natalie Hemby and Hillary Lindsay and Lori Genius. McKenna, you know, and those people I respected so much. They had such an enlightened view about what they did. They were like, yeah, we write silly songs, but what we really want to do is write these songs. And they were the ones that eventually convinced me to just go for it and to make an album. And to I didn't need to write with anyone for a while. And they, they ironically were the ones that convinced me to do that. Bro, Natalie Hemby and Luke Dick are just a killer combo. Luke is awesome. Luke is a friend There's of the so podcast. Writers. Yeah, Luke, is, Luke and Natalie doing stuff for Miranda Lambert is like... Oh yeah, that's a that's a perfect combo, dude. And you want to talk about people that can write outside themselves and be sarcastic and funny, but still drive home a point, yeah. dude. Yeah, Luke yeah. is the king, Luke is the king of that. Dude, um, he's also is this something that's like oh, that. sorry? Go ahead. No, he's just like that in person. He's a funny fucking dude. The first time he came on the podcast, he was sitting out back of a, a studio, smoking like a corn cob pipe, and yep. I was like, "What are we getting into here?" Because my when I work out of Nashville, my studio keys player is Spencer, who is in Hey Steve with Luke. And so like there's like a roundabout kind of a thing cool. there. But um Luke is like Bluebird, like obviously was a smash. Like there was no doubt about that. But then you go through what Luke does on his own and then the entire like newer Miranda record. And then I like Luke too, because he was like, if you think I had a lot to do with this, go check out Natalie Hemby. And then I dove into Natalie and I was like, oh my oh, dude. god, dude. Yeah. I think the corn cob pipe is a big part of it because I've been <laughs> smoking some tobacco, just straight tobacco out of a corn cob pipe. I sit outside, like on a porch outside my studio here, and there's nothing like nicotine and tobacco. And like I know we're meant to hate tobacco and all that stuff now, but I don't know. We can hate big cigarette companies and also say that tobacco is a plant that grows on the earth and it's awesome in like if you don't become addicted to it, like it's, it's for writing. I'm talking about like specifically for writing. It's quite an amazing oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. drug. Yeah, that is a, uh, that's one of the things I'm, I have not yet quite kicked. I quit smoking cigs. Um, though I still will have one every once in a while because I want to, 
Of course. And yeah, it's it's a weird thing how nicotine has as it's like a it's a perfect side dish to being creative. <laughs> you, know? Yeah, you know what you know what it is? It's it's like a, a momentary break without yeah. taking a break. You know what I mean? Oh, like totally. it's like a mental reset to where it's like, okay, I've done that thing. It's time to smoke. And then it clears the it clears the mechanism, and then you move into the next thing. It's a- you know what? I actually heard Tony Robbins of all people talking about this and saying like what a big part of it for a lot of people, other than like the actual literal chemical addiction and things that nicotine does to your brain, is the fact that you stop for like two or three minutes and you breathe slowly, even though you're smoking. Like you slow your breath down. Oh yeah, and, and that changes. You know, like if you just did that without the cigarette, it would probably also do a lot of wonders for your writing. But like, right. it's, it's easier with a cigarette. I don't yeah, but it's smoke, cooler but if you do, it, you It's know? cooler if you do it with this. You know what I mean? Because like, plus, you get the cool points. And you look. <laughs> yeah. Cool. If you put on a leather jacket and maybe like a fucking white T-shirt, you know, you're in there. There bro. you go. <laughs> you got to hit record. It doesn't. But like, I guess the whole thing is though. Like, I think I think about like an alternate universe where you're. Like you stayed in that realm of like working with Tim McGraw and then eventually you went to Florida Georgia line. And then right now we're interviewing you and you have like an eyebrow ring and a monster energy drink and like bedazzled jeans. And you were talking about your pop country record that's coming out. I'd like to see that timeline. Honestly, that alternate timeline kind of fucks to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <It's pretty sick. laughs> um, I'm into that, you know, Bro, I mean, I think we- it's like, it's really Whatever it is that's like, it is the thing that you want to do. I mean, that is your calling, you know? Just like, go do it. Like, that's why I have always fucked with Florida George Line. That's why I yep. fuck with Morgan Wallen's music. Me too. I, these, these dudes are actually that. You know what I mean? Like, they are that. Yeah. That's, this is who they are. This is what they grew up around. And they're just expressing themselves in the same way that I'm doing it. It's just different, you know what I mean? Oh, it's I just a, crazy. I have a hard time with artists of, of our current time of getting into that because I'm I'm never sure whether to I, like I'm very cynical about it. But I have I like I do this exercise like if I went back fifty years and listened to George Jones yeah. back then, would I be just as cynical? Because like now I love him. Like it, but at the time I might have been like, what is this dude on about? Like every song's like the same kind of comically crying sad song and like i know it's a legit story with him but you know what i mean like i'm very cynical about like my time but and i romanticize the past maybe i need to like romanticize the present more and i'd be more open to a lot of like current artists well it's so sick though that like all these dudes are like and we say this a lot on this podcast but like the entire pop country scene right now is like dipped in both like country but then drake and then also creed like there's this weird thing yeah. where it's like it's it's all creed code weird right like, now it's all creed code all the guitar tones are creed they're all nickelback it's all these yeah. like overdriven paul reed smiths but they talk I mean, about trucks it's awesome it's <laughs> like when it comes to taste this is like i'm not a huge fan of like pitchfork etc i appreciate what they do um because like it's good to have dialogue but like sometimes it gets a little bit like you know Oh, yeah, and you want to give him. A, you want to give him a wedgie. It's basically it. You know, what yeah. I mean? <laughs> like people like what people like, and like, sure, if you want to go into like a, uh, like like a snobby elitist view of the craft, right? I'm also happy to have that conversation, but that's a different set of rules. Like, you're not going to compare Morgan Wallen to Bob Dylan. Nope. Like, they don't live in the same world, and I feel like. I don't know. I think music snobbery is really stupid. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like comparing like a football player and a basketball player. They're playing different sports. They just happen to also play sports. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, it, that's it, a great comparison. Yeah. But I, I think that's like why. Once again, we're talking about why this podcast got created. It's because fucking Pitchfork and Rolling Stone, they just they lost the plot, man. I don't know what happened. It's yeah. weird. Well, there's also it seems to be like whatever tends to be the most, um, I guess, popular popularly aligned set of perspectives let's just play musicians that are kind of like of that ilk well yeah of course like rolling stone is gonna love them you know what i mean like of course pitchfork is gonna love them and that's great for them but like i don't think that rolling stone is still the the authority that it once was on just you know overall music i have yet to see that being proven and you know to their benefit like I, I think that social media has definitely impacted negatively critical journalism on all fronts. Sure. But to keep the to keep themselves afloat, I feel like a lot of these outlets have to rely on clickbait type stuff and to also commend and support artists that seem to be very popular already. I you kind know? of I take the the viewpoint that all that social media and current like algorithm based journalism and all that has done is remove the mosque that was there already. I think news organizations have generally always been full of shit in like in the <laughs> music. Like I, I just, I think we thought it was better. Then you get it opened up to the world, opened up to like the savagery of AI generated news and AI generated like uh, uh, eyeball catching. And it's like, it's all just a crock of shit. Like it's always been a crock of shit. We thought it was like respectable because it was Rolling Stone or the New York Times or whatever. I'm not like picking a political side, but like whatever it was. And it's just been taken away. And it's nice because now you can maybe start to have an opinion of your own and say, I like this because I like this or I don't. That's why yeah. Johnny only listens to Alex Jones and Newsmax. That's the only thing Johnny gets into, dude. He's just, only you know, only real- Alex Jones remixes uh, with Drake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> AI, baby. <laughs> that's oh. a niche. <laughs> you got that's the that's the that's the it's like it's niche core you got to find your perfect <laughs> like single person niche so that you're truly an uh individual yeah yeah i mean, I mean we have that ability now you know <laughs> i mean it's like pick your point what's really crazy to me is algorithmically we're under the impression that we're all getting the same news and to a degree yes we are a lot of the like explosive things that go viral but like really, really viral. But dude, I'll go and like have, you know, be like on TikTok and see something that what I think is viral, millions and millions of views and, and likes, etc., of some story that's happened. And I'll go and I'll tell my girlfriend, I'll be like, dude, did you hear what Cat Williams said? Wasn't that nuts? <laughs> and she'll be like, what are you talking about? And she's on TikTok more than I am. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I'm it's just crazy. Like, I'm like, wait. <laughs> wait, what is this actually doing to us zoomed out as a culture when we're perceiving like our purview then becomes what we think is pretty much a main character storyline. Oh yeah. And you know what I mean? That's really nuts. Yeah. Dude, I, I, I fall in these existential holes all the time. Like, what are we doing? Like, how did we get here? Like, I know. And what that's really dangerous to like, to put it back onto creativity. The, I find that overuse of social media and this over, this uh this 
exaggerated perspective of the world based on my likes and tendencies that has been curated for me. Yeah. The weird thing about it is that the the overconsumption of that tends to breed like nihilism for me. It yes. tends to breed a sense of like, well, what does anything mean or matter? And that's a really scary thing because like that can translate as like a working artist. This is my line of work. This is my livelihood. This is how I pay my bills. And I sit down to just create sometimes, especially when it's the craft perspective, because it's vulnerable, because it's not just coming from that pure instant of needing to say it. I'll have these exterior thoughts that seem to come from what I have consumed on social media. And that's like an instant, like I have to ninja chop that away really fast because I am human. It's going to happen. But like you're going to end up just digging yourself further into a hole that way. I you think, though, think- nihilism is a good thing to use as a tool. It's mm. not an ends. Like, a good amount of nihilism yeah. can get you to a point where you realize that not it's not just social media. Again, that, that's just like kind of this magnified version of what we are to begin with, which is just this endless um, external influences that make us do the things we do in an auto- automatic, like, mechanical way. And anything that helps you realize that you're mechanical and that you are not actually acting from inside yourself, from your real self, is can be beneficial. Yeah, it's dangerous because you can fall into, like you're saying, a nihilistic hole where you start to believe that. But if you can step back just that like inch away from that and say, okay, I see myself as like this collection of like opinions that I don't actually believe in uh, going on then you can perhaps get to a better place from that. But, you know, it's a, it's a, it is a treacherous Absolutely. journey. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, because the scary aspect is, you know, maybe someone hasn't reached a level of emotional intelligence or self-awareness to see the big picture of themselves when they start feeling, when they start creeping into those depressive spirals. And, you know, I've been victim to that before. The irony of it is that that is actually how you grow. You know, that's actually how you attain self-awareness. That's actually how you increase your emotional intelligence is not having it and realizing you don't, you know? Well, yeah, you, you, I, ca- I, you cannot change and bring everything you had with you. Like, you know, you, yeah, yeah. Wow. Like, people want people, I love that. People want to change and say, but I'm keeping this, I'm keeping that. It's like, you can't, it's, I think that, that, that the biblical idea of like, it's harder for a man, uh, to, or the camel to pass through the no, eye of a needle, the needle. Man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Forget any religious questions on that. I don't know where you stand on that, and I don't know where I stand on that. But it is a, an incredibly profound thing to think about, that for you yeah. to enter into the kingdom of heaven, insert whatever verbiage you need to hear so that you don't get offended because we're talking about religion, like to make that kind of a spiritual leap or a personal advancement you have to become so tiny in terms of what you call yourself and this ego and all this attachment you have to yourself to pass through the eye of a needle and i think as an analogy it's just an amazing way to think about things you cannot just keep all the stuff you're attached to and uh, with you and expect to grow anywhere and i say that and like that's literally all that i do is like i'm you know i keep i'm i am my hat i am my opinions about drake or whatever you know like well you're human yeah Yeah, of course of course it's it's a it's a dichotomy and a paradox always but you know wonderfully good i do find it interesting when people come on here and then they're like oh i'm doing barstool backstage i assume this is going to be about like 
football and boobies. And then they come on and Johnny's like, you ever think about death and existentialism? And then they leave and they're like, wow, these guys actually can speak a coherent sentence. This is I actually nice. have a side podcast is death, existentialism and boobies. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can love football and have, you know, be a deep thinking motherfucker, you know? Goddamn right, dude. That's how I live my life. <laughs> uh, but no, man, uh, I, I think the way I look at this is moving, sorry, <laughs> moving forward <laughs> with it's through with the what, eyes of a child. Yeah. Moving forward, what you have going on with your career, right? And we'll get back yeah. to that. Do you see yourself diving more into where you're heading on tour right now, where you're going to go more acoustic driven? Because I mean, the, the new record was fantastic, by the way, but a lot of it was built around. Uh, more of like an acoustic songwriter's perspective as opposed to a full band thing like, I don't know, Mockingbird and things like that. Mm -hmm. Do you see yourself diving more into the simpler part of what you do? I don't know. Um, you know, I think this tour is it's something that I've always wanted to do. Like, you know, Springsteen's done it. Dave Matthews has done it. I've seen Jackson Brown and Dave do it where this becomes another form and aspect of touring and a different way to like express some songs that aren't in the traditionally recorded ways now as far as that will translate into the studio if that's something that i want to carry into i'm not sure yet i do know that this past record was an experiment for me mm. and something that i you know a mode that i hope i always maintain which is to experiment and to create a box and put myself outside of that box as often as I can until I create another one and taking risks and taking like, it's the first time that I had a lot of, uh, a lot of team members, right? Like there were a lot of hands on this record. And at first my, you know, my gut instinct and my inclination is to be like, can we remove all these hands? Yep. And not from a creative standpoint, there weren't hands on it. But it was just like the first time it seems like we had built something and we were trying to take it somewhere. And so I was like in the middle of balancing, you know, what does it mean to grow a career and what does it mean to express yourself in a new way? So all this newness and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that process. I enjoyed working with a new producer. It was really fun and enlightening. Nate is an incredible talent. And he played a lot of the instruments, which was new for me because typically it had been just me and Jared Kay kind of had played everything. Yeah. So the long, long way to answer your question is, I don't know if it's going to be a simpler thing, but I can see the next record having uh, kind of a return to like bread and butter for me, which would be like Dying Star. You know, like I miss my dad playing on the record and I miss having harmonica and stuff and i'm glad that i left that for a second for one record just to see what i could do without it and i'm sure i'll do that again right but i'm really drawn to bringing it back down to like the roots of things for me for the next record i think it'd be nice as a fan just to, to see that return as well because you get to yeah like I'm, like i want to see multifaceted sides of an artist you brought up someone like springsteen and springsteen went through that like 80s 90s period where he was using yeah. like these big kind of shotgun snares and, and then he went yeah. to like the tunnel of love phase and like I want to, and then eventually it gets back to like wrecking ball, yeah, the rising kind of thing. Which, by the way, are you a big Springsteen guy? I'm not a huge Springsteen guy. I'm a big Nebraska fan. That makes sense. Yeah, Nebraska I, uh, rules. I heard he's doing something with Nebraska. Like he's either doing he wants to bring that to Broadway or do a film based on Nebraska. Hey, 
That guy never stops. It's insane. It's he it's never in- stops. I'm a giant. That's why, that's why I say we, he's not allowed to come on the podcast because I don't have seven hours. <laughs> he will literally talk to you for 300 days. <laughs> he's the only person we've ever gotten actively shot down by. We, really? Uh, we re- well, of course, it was, dude. It, it's fucking it, Bruce Springsteen. You say that, but we've had some pretty big names. We talked Ice no, yeah, for an hour. Not but Bruce saying, Springsteen and, level. But So I reached out to Bruce, and I'm like the biggest. I'm, I'm a caricature of Philadelphia. I'm the biggest Bruce yeah, yeah. fan on earth. And so I emailed, I got cocky and I emailed his agent. I think this was right after we had Ice Cube on. And I was like, hey, we'd love to have Bruce on if he could make time. As if like he was sitting around waiting for the phone call. And his agent got, his agent actually got back to us. And he was like, hey, man, this looks great. But no. And I was like, sweet. <laughs> I was like, cool. Which in my head, I was like, you'll see, buddy. You'll come crawling you'll back. Dude, and then I, kind of, I've heard stories about people reaching out to Sufjan. Sufjan Stevens team to like and historically it's like the reply is like thank you but Sufjan doesn't talk to anybody (laughs) (laughs) I kind of miss those days when like that was a possibility and I guess there are still a couple artists that can pull that off but like in this day and age it's like Every artist is like, well, yeah, I'm a musician, but I also got a podcast and here's my TikTok videos. And yeah. like it's it's become a lot harder to be the I don't do interviews guy because if you don't do interviews and don't do shit these days, like no one fucking sees anything. That's so cool though. Like Sufjan Stevens just put out a new record and didn't talk to anybody. That's awesome. No, That's, no I love was, that shit. I love it. It's a great record, by the way. I actually really like that record. It's great. I mean, I, I was talking to this with a you know, a, a good artist friend of mine a couple of days ago. We're she's around the same age she's a little younger than me and she just was like it's interesting that like yes that artist still exists but they didn't start in this timeline no you know yeah i mean they started like radiohead will do tom york is like i don't really want to talk to anybody for five years yeah or like do it's... any sort of promo at all but like these are already established household names and like you're right to be able to grow a career at this point, at this stage of the game, like, I, I guess I like, I, it, I took me a minute to get to that realization because my, my inclination has been to like, I don't know if I really feel like talking, but then I'll get in doing an interview and I'll be like, I actually fucking love talking to people about <laughs> art. I love yeah, to, yeah. And I learned that like very quickly when I started doing promo for Dying Star. And turned down some stuff and then the moment i started doing stuff i was like i actually enjoy this i enjoyed doing it so i probably would still have done it back in the day if i had started when they started but yeah you see for me it was like i have an idea that i'd like to be one of those artists that doesn't do interviews but then someone asked me a question i'm like oh they want to listen to my thoughts on something and it's like that ego just kicks in and it's just like uh, that one wins every time like the that part of me that's Williams like rem- remain remain mysterious don't answer your questions then like six hours later i'm like let me tell you about the snare drum we put on this track johnny what i want to do with you is i want to get you on some podcasts or something and but i want you to just do a cat williams kind of thing with no factual information behind you just being like, like you you know that Brett Favre leads the Illuminati, right? Like just go in and just spit Dude, facts. That's so good. Just spit facts, and then everybody's gonna be writing articles like, "Can you believe that so and so eats the blood of children?" And then it's like, there's no factual information there. You just said it, but you have to wear sunglasses the entire time. 
Do you know what I mean? Like you have to be mysterious. Sounds like you're describing my other podcast. That's yeah, that's actually true. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been watching? It's it's only on the dark web. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Where you wear the hood and, and you're just backlit and I can't see your face. That's great. But I mean, Russell, we took up a lot of your time and we would love to have you on. Uh, we're doing a songwriting series called The Co-Write where we sit down and um, we break down songs from the initial demo to the final product. Oh, shit. But for yours, I kind of want to do one of two options here. I want to either do that. I want you to pick out a song and I want to do that version. Or I want to come down with Kenny and Johnny and I want to get in the studio and I want to see if we can create a pop country song together. Like go go to that space and see if we can actually get in and make a full-on banger like Florida Georgia Line, Luke Bryan <laughs> song. I mean, 100% that can be done. I think we should do it. I have a hundred joke songs that sometimes we'll play live just for the shit of it. And they're all pop country. So I'm, I'm already primed. Dude, I feel like I need to get on a side channel with you because I just moved out here with my brothers to Austin and we've got a side project going on that I don't actually want to talk about publicly. Oh, that it's is, so good. Uh, it's comical. The music, I think, is really great music. Like, we haven't compromised on the music. Lyrically, we're having a lot of fun. So... Hell it sounds yeah. like we need to tap you for some of these <laughs> hidden songs that you've got. Dude, I'm down because it comes from like a passion of those melodies. And like, yeah. it's just fun. And it's fun to kind of like make fun of yourself and yeah. sing. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah. I'm down for all of the above. You guys just holler at me. Say no more. I enjoyed dude. this highly. When uh, When's the tour start? Tour starts March 27th, ends uh, May 2nd. Yeah, and it ends at the Ryman, right? Sure does. Mother Church. How many times have you done the Ryman? This will be, so we did it once on Dying Star Tour. We did two nights for Shape Destroy Tour and did Ascend for Weakness. And then now since this is acoustic, going back to the Mother Church. So this will be uh, number four. You, you did Ascend? Did, yes. Buddy, let's it go. It was fun as fuck. Yeah. Dude, that's fire. Which by, Oh, wait, hold on one sec. You... We didn't even bring up the Noah Kahan tour. Oh, yeah. How was that? That was nuts, dude. That was I really mean, nutty. Like, <laughs> to watch someone somehow, like... I mean, he's not he's not reinventing the wheel, but just to catch a, a moment and, like, completely yes. take off and actually seem like a good dude. You know what I mean? He just oh, seems man, like a guy... A good dude. He's yeah. such a good dude. I think uh spin reached out to me to like they were doing a story on him and they wanted because uh, they knew like me and him met when he was like 18 i was like 24 i think anyways we were both in very confusing places he was wearing flip-flops i was wearing a 10 gallon <laughs> cowboy hat um and we never wrote a song we just smoked cigs and talked and i was like i like this dude a lot and then you know fast forward he's on top of the world and my point is like so when they reached out to do an interview when i saw the headline of the article i was really happy to see it because it's very true it said uh it was like something like sometimes nice guys do finish first mm -hmm. and he's super nice he's just as like not confused but just bewildered by the rapid rise of success as everyone else is about it and he seems to be very grateful for it and he's super fucking talented so like I love seeing that happen to people like that, you know? I guess my last question would be even on that same note for you. Like, when Dying Star did take off, and then you got to live this 
fantasy dream of being an actual artist and making money off it and doing coming yeah. from where you came from. Was there ever a moment where you looked around and you're like, this doesn't make any sense? Yeah. 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 I mean, the first, like, honestly, it was that moment hit me hardest when the Shape and Destroy tour, when we put uh, the rhyming up and it sold out in five minutes. And then oh. we put a second one up and it sold out in a couple hours. Like, I, I, that didn't feel real. I mean, but honestly, anytime I play anywhere, whether it's for 100 people or 5,000 people, and there's words being sung back to me about these really private moments that I had that I needed to express myself, like, there's this sense of, like, what the fuck? And I think, like, <laughs> measures of success ebb and flow, given, like, what period you are in your career, you could be on top of the world and then not, and then on top of the world again, and not, then on top of the world or somewhere in the middle or whatever, but, like, I think the true measure of success for artists that really do it for the right reasons is feeling that sense of bewilderment all the time and not ever getting accustomed to it, you know? Yeah. Realist thing. I, I think the it's, uh, there's something special about like hearing people sing back your favorite song of the moment. I know it mm. changes as opposed to like a song that's a hit, like, right. you know, Dude. you kind of, you get to the point where you expect that. And then you play some deep song that you're like, this is my favorite song from the album. And then you hear people sing it back and you're like, okay, that's what it's for. It's not like they got it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, like it's cool that to is... have a thousand, 10,000 people sing a, a hit song. Awesome. Like no one's going to turn that down. But to hear, you know, 500 people sing this tiny song is awesome. Oh, yeah. Dude, to be able to have a career so far, you know, where like I've had a couple songs that that did okay on radio and they're like the obvious go-tos and they bring people to the show but like to be able to make a set list for a show that's whatever i want it to be mm. you know and like i can encore with whatever i want it to be and i can close the show with whatever i want it to be yeah. um is a dream come true so like that's that is the measure of success to continue doing that sure sell more tickets play bigger venues that's great i love that that those yeah. are things that artists can have aspirational reachings for but the main thing to stay is to be able to have that set list be whatever you want it to be and that comes from just making honest music i feel that's that's Dude. such a great way to put it yeah just as a fan man i just want to say like i love this uh i can't wait to do more but more than anything i'm just like i've been following for a while and i'm i'm like proud to watch what you've done it's it's awesome thank you man i really appreciate that i appreciate the ask and also like this was a fantastic conversation you know this doesn't always happen when we get down to like promoting something or talking about yeah. something with my career i just like i'm i appreciate it quite a bit i mean dude we tried to get you on when you had nothing like there wasn't anything to promote i was just like i think you yeah, might yeah. have you might have followed us on instagram i think i tagged you and something on instagram like in the story and you followed us and my instant reaction was like Oh my God. Yes. And I DM'd you. I was like, let's get you on, bro. And uh I'm down. Your seat's always open, bro. Thank you very much, man. Well, I'm down to do the other stuff you talk about. Just just holler at me. Say no more. Awesome. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Russ and Kelly. Russ and we'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Great Peace, to meet you, man. See ya. You too. Thanks for thanks for putting up with my baby. <laughs> Dude, I love it. I love it. Dude, I promised my wife I would stop putting him on camera. <laughs> what do you want me to do? He's a star. He's a monster, bro. Uh, <laughs> all right, bro. Take it easy. We'll talk to you soon, all right? All right. Peace. Ah.
All right, so that was Rustin Kelly. Go check him out on tour. He's got a new EP coming out. Great guy. We're going to be doing more with him, doing the co-write, doing other things. Kenny, I think I want you involved in this debut as well. Um, he started as a songwriter for Tim McGraw, and he was like going down a pop country path when he was on drugs, and then got off drugs and got out of that and became an Americana artist. And I said, I want to come down with Kenny and Johnny and Dante and Dave, and I want to get you in the studio, and I want you to make a pop country song. Like, just go full bore, like, bedazzled jeans pop country. And yeah, he was yeah. Like, Dude, nothing would make me happier. Let's do it. So that's a possibility. We can do that. So um, we'll definitely get into that. But shouts out, Rustin Kelly. Great interview. Um, does anybody have anything on or off the list? I got an uh, off the list. What I got, got it on the list. My off the list is fucking food poisoning, dude. I got Ooh, food poisoning. Yeah. I woke up with food poisoning on Tuesday Worst two days of my fucking life. Barely hanging on today. Brutal. Brutal. What what were your symptoms? Uh, let's see. I was <laughs> hot, sweaty, into shivering, yep. cold, projectile yep. vomiting. Couldn't shit. Uh, had to keep getting in the shower so I could regulate my temperature. Felt like there's a bowling ball in my gut. Nauseous all day. Fucking, you're like, what was it? Yeah, what was the culprit? Uh, we the only thing that was questionable at all, which really wasn't questionable. I smoked a tri tip. Speaking of fucking good food, there you uh, go. I smoked a tri tip. We had it as a tri tip salad, and then like three, four days later, after it being in the fridge, we had it. We used it to make uh, tri tip quesadillas. Also mm. awesome. Sounds but bang. the next morning we woke up sick. I was like, I don't know, maybe the meat went bad. I don't but know. There's no way after just a couple That's days. And if you like, smoked it, all we all yeah. we had in the morning was toast and eggs, and then that. So I'm like, I don't wow. know. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, I don't know. Could be, the, could be the, the kids' fault, man. Kids are gross. Kids are stupid. You have no idea. You're not even yeah, I'm there, not there yet, yet. dude. My no. kids always sick, but my kids do daycare and they're fucking always sick. Gross. Dave, you're on the list. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, Paulie Walnuts. I'm doing a little Ooh. bit of a Sopranos rewatch right now. Just finished the uh, Pine Barrens. Prior to hopping back on the show, we were supposed to go about an hour ago. And just one liner after one liner in that episode, and I love Polly Walnuts. That was a Czechoslovakian. He was an interior decorator. This house looked like shit. <laughs> My favorite Polly Walnuts moment in the entire show is when he goes to the spiritual medium when Christopher almost dies, and he wants yeah. to like, and he and the the guy realizes that Who all the, fuck the people are you talking to, yeah, and he just he screams. Uh, I can't say the word that he screams. He throws the chair and he screams. <laughs> My, that's my favorite Polly Walnuts moment in the entire series. I I love that. Or when it's they're so in Italy, funny. when they're in Italy and he has to go home to, or he has to use the women's toilet to take shit. He's like, or he's like, he has to go back home because he won't take a shit in the in the gross Italian toilet. All the intricacies of Polly Walnuts are the best, dude. Is that the best show of all time? It's up there. It's not my favorite. It's in my top five though. What's your number one? Breaking Bad. It's it's a. It's. I mean, it's probably the best show. It's not my favorite, though. I think they stuck the landing better than any show ever. Yeah, the ending was perfect. It was perfect. I mean, and, I mean, apparently, I didn't watch Better Call Saul, but apparently the spinoff was great, too. It was fantastic. They haven't They haven't missed on any of their spinoffs. They've had the movie with uh, Jesse. They've all been that. really good. They've all been yeah. really good. I, uh... Yeah, the whole the only thing for me is I didn't like any of the characters. Like, if you, like, if you really dive into it, they're all pieces of shit. Like... And you want to root for him at certain points, then you don't. Like, I guess the same thing's true with the Sopranos, but I just like the characters better than the Sopranos. Yeah, it's fair. Um, I mean, Polly Walnuts, all-time great character. Obviously, I would say I would say Tony Soprano is probably the all-time great TV character. Yeah, probably. And I mean, Christopher is like a third, or yeah. Christopher is like a second. Like all Christopher's of them. incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Um, 
My off the list is the Grammys because I forgot they were next weekend. So this weekend is it no, this weekend? No, no, no. There's it's the AFC and NFC championship game this weekend. Next weekend is the Grammys, Grammys and then the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah. So we got to set up, maybe do the same thing as last year for the live stream, but maybe get some guests in, like start talking to people and see if they'll pop in and do it with us. I don't know. Um, that went okay last year. I wanted to do it in person, but I don't think it's going to line up in time. Uh, regardless, we always have the Grammys next year. They're still going to suck anyway. Who gives a fuck? But we'll do something. Next week, we'll do our Grammy picks. We'll do like our whole rundown. So I didn't do any this week. But um, yeah, the performers came out. It's basically what you'd expect it to be. Uh, I'm going in underwhelmed. Maybe I'll be wrong. Who knows? Um, do you remember the way the Grammys ended last year, Kenny? No. Remember, it was the uh, Dave. I think you would have been off the stream at this point, Dave. But it was uh, the DJ Khaled performance with uh, Lil Wayne and Jay Z, and they were like sitting in the parking lot, and Lil Wayne was like doing this amazing verse at the end, and oh, then yeah. just, and no reason in the middle of it, DJ Khaled just screaming ad libs, and I'm like, shut up, dude, let Wayne go. This is an all time verse. What are we doing? So we'll see. We'll see if DJ Khaled will pop up in random places. Who knows? But a uh, great episode. We have great guests next week. Thank you to Russ and Kelly. Uh, boys, anything for me? Nope. All right. Nixon. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll do Richard <laughs> no, Nixon later. Nixon out. Fuck you guys. We love you. Bye.